Hello and welcome to Plus Plus, the podcast from Palantir.net, where we talk about what's new and interesting in the world of open source technologies and agile methodologies. I'm your host, George Demet. Today's episode features a pair of conversations with past and present members of our fellowship program. Recipients of the Palantir Fellowship receive a full scholarship and stipend for the 12-week Drupal Career Online course presented by Drupal Easy. Graduates of the course are then offered a paid internship with Palantir, along with professional mentoring and the opportunity for a full-time position. First, you'll hear from Corey Nesland, who interviewed a number of past fellowship recipients earlier this year. Then, you'll hear a conversation I had recently with our current interns about their career transitions and their experiences working in a remote environment. Hi, everyone. Today, we're going to meet with some of our fellow Palantiri to talk about and give an overview of the fellowship and the internship here at Palantir. My name is Corey Nesland. I'm a senior project manager. I am Adra Kessi, the employee experience manager, and I'm also the kind of internship coordinator. I'm Travis Porsche. I am a front end developer. Hi, I'm Ian Turner. Um, I went through Drupal Career Online Spring 2022 um, internship program with um, Palantir. Um, I'm now current front end developer at Palantir. My name is Tessa Bauer. I am a back end engineer. So I am the moderator today and we have a couple of prepared questions. So the first one is, what's the most valuable thing that you learned in the Drupal Easy course and that you are now applying at Palantir? For me, basically everything I learned at the Drupal Easy course, because I didn't know anything about Drupal going into it. I knew a couple of things as far as general programming language and internet um, websites, but as a whole, I didn't know anything about Drupal. So the entire class was fresh knowledge for me. I was brand new to Drupal, brand new to development. So uh, definitely learning Drupal best practices, learning what it means to have like a great machine. Cause I was, when I first took the class, I was using a really, really old outdated computer system. So yeah, but just learning kind of the, the foundations, learning the command line is a huge help. Um, and just learning how to navigate through, you know, the complete Drupal process. I was in the same situation with others, um, basically with zero knowledge of Drupal, but with a little experience with um, coding like web stuff. So um, for me, it's like understanding the local DDEV environment and the setting up and all the fundamental knowledges of Drupal, also with all the modern um, development development workflow with all the DevOps tools, all this stuff was used learning from the DCO course. I use them pretty much every day at um, work every day now. So the next question is, what do you wish you knew before you joined Palantir? So for me, I feel like object-oriented programming, um, a better understanding of that going in would have been more helpful for me. Um, I didn't really have any type of background in programming, so object-oriented is a whole new thing, but PHP, which is the base for Drupal, uses that a lot. And then also Twig was, Twig is a thing. All right, and as our newest fellows who have transitioned in, um, Yang and Travis, how was the transition to a fully remote working environment? Great, I'll elaborate. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's 
it allows you to kind of just focus on the work. You know how you work. You you get to know a lot about yourself and how you how you're able to self-motivate. That was the biggest thing for me working remotely without being in an office physically around folks who are doing the same thing you're doing. It's like you have to set your own work schedule. You have to organize your life, you know, in a way that keeps you focused, keeps you on top of your tasks, you know, because you don't have, you know, you're not in an environment where, you know, somebody else is really checking up on you constantly. So you have to strengthen that muscle of self-organization and self-motivation. So that's the biggest thing um, that I had to adjust to, you know, working remotely, but it's great. I feel like I'm better for it. For me, the whole uh, onboarding process is very wonderful. So the whole process you get set up, it provided great resources and a great learning opportunities. Also, um, the more I get into with Palantir's, you know, culture with like transparent abundance and the collective, all this, it makes the process easy to adjust. So basically, I feel I'm learning from everybody. I have all the support I need, all the great resources I have. So with remote, I don't feel like holding me back anything. I feel like this whole process is very smooth and effective for me. I enjoyed it. So for everyone, um, what piece of advice would you give to potential recipients of the Palantir Fellowship? Do not be intimidated by what you don't know. You're, I had zero dev experience um, I had a little program experience, but not that much. So it's quite intimidating when you're learning. It's like learning a brand new language as somebody has dropped you off in that country. You know, it's like you kind of just have to go for it and ask as many questions as you feel like you need. Palantir, as Young said, is a very open, transparent group of people who are always willing to help the, I feel like the culture that the company has created is like that of nourishing new talent. So live in that, you know, I, and this is a practice, you know, something that I have to tell myself every day, like, it's okay not to, not to know what you don't know. Um, but this is an opportunity for you to learn. So don't be intimidated by the newness of the situation. Just go into it with an open mind and heart and ask 3 million questions a day. That's the only way you're going to learn and get better. It's okay to not know everything. It's okay to not have answers because even some of the most experienced people in Drupal don't know it all. They still go to Google and have to be like, does this string of words give me the answer I want? What about this string? The big mistake you can make is to pretend you know the answer. Don't do that. The other thing is too, is to just reach out often and communicate that you don't know because not communicating with people that you need help or that you don't know something is going to be probably the largest hindrance that you will find as a whole. Because you can't learn if you don't admit that you need to learn something. So I want to give a big plus plus to Tessa right now because everything that she just said is exactly like a perfect representation of Palantir culture. So plus plus Tessa. This is a tough spot right now, okay? You guys say that everything... I was on top of say was Tessa. I was like, yeah, become a very good friend with Google. And she said, I literally have to Google a lot with the Stack Flow. When you have a lot of questions, you don't know when people answer you, you still 
need more information to, you know, learning, Google's your best friend at this point. Yeah, my advice was that. On top of that, I think maybe there's one more thing I can add on will be that, hey, make your Drupal Lights and Me account um, very useful. They have a lot of great learning resources on there. I have to learn so much. Um, just going back there, back and forth. You know, since we have provide company provide this content, make sure make make sure the resource is useful, utilize it very well. So then the next question is also for everyone. What other skills that you didn't learn in Drup- the Drupal Easy course, but outside of that, have you leveraged or utilized while working here at Palantir? I learned HTML and CSS before this, and I have learned during the work, learned SAS and CSS. I use every single day now with Twig, with theme in the front. I learned PHP, you know, a little bit, but I use a lot too when I am going to the back end of courses, understand the coding part. I feel like those knowledge, if you don't have it, it's good to use it to at least learn it outside of DCO courses. So on a non-technical thing I've learned, it's just how to work in an agile work environment. That is something that I have never experienced before, where you have daily scrums and team chartering and things of that nature. Um, At first, it was intimidating because it was kind of like, hey, show everybody what you've done or what you haven't done. But it's also a way to build a sense of camaraderie within your team. And, you know, it is an open forum for if you are blocked, if you do need help, you know, maybe, you know, multiple folks can contribute. So that's something that I think is awesome and something that I've learned and continue to utilize within Palantirs is how to move the project along as a group while working individually, you know, in Agile. So for other skills, I have a background in IT support. So I've actually been able to utilize a lot of those general knowledge skills inside of this, especially networking ones. I kind of started to explore into DevOps, um, which the networking background has really helped me understand a lot of our development flow with Acquia and getting projects moving. And the other skill I would say is a soft skill, mostly built around communication. There's you know, kind of going back to what I said previously, communicating things is a really large part of general part of life. But as far as this goes, like being able to communicate the problem you're running into so that you can get the right kind of help is really key so that you don't end up accidentally running in circles because you can't communicate properly. Not the easiest skill to master, clearly, but it is a very useful one. Audra, as the person who has really helped shepherd this program and seen the iterations that Palantir has gone through, do you have any final advice or any comment that you'd like to provide to people who are considering um, applying? Mm, I think the advice that I would give is to have a growth mindset. I think with, with life in general, every day is an opportunity to learn something new. But I think sometimes just having life experiences that uh, may be negative, positive, whatever, and that may hinder you from wanting to start a new thing or whatnot. And so if you go into this with a growth mindset, knowing that you don't know everything, and that is okay, but you're going you're gonna to approach it with a growth mindset and you're willing to learn and to soak off soak all the information in, then you will go far. I mean, because that's uh, one of the principles here at Palantir. So 
that would be my advice going into it. Well, I want to say thank you to everyone. I really appreciate you guys being here. Thanks so much. Today, I'd like to catch up with two of Palantir's newest interns, Sarah Wiley and Christine Kitchens. Sarah and Christine were both recipients of the Palantir Fellowship and graduated from Drupal Easy's Drupal Career Online course this spring. They've been interns at Palantir now for just over a month and are working on projects alongside our other team members. Sarah and Christine, welcome. What was your journey to the Palantir Fellowship program? Sarah, why don't you go first? I was in finance for about a decade and it was never really my jam. It just kind of got me through some important life stages. And when I decided it was time for me to really take that leap into something I love, I did a boot camp in full stack, uh, React, SQL, JavaScript, uh, lots of other related technologies. And um, came out of that kind of just lost about where to go next. Uh, so I did some other trainings and um, had never heard of Drupal before, but the Women Who Code group in Austin, uh, somebody put up a notice about the fellowship and I applied, not really knowing what I was getting myself into. And it has been like the universe was just guiding me here. Christine, how about you? Yeah, so I'm actually coming from a background in science. I worked as a research technician for a Great Lakes research organization for almost a decade. And, you know, science was my jam. <laughs> Sarah with finance, you know, I really enjoyed, you know, a lot of the trailblazing and making up standard operating procedures and doing the chemistry, but it, started to really wear on me after a while like just just one too many times where you're up at 3 a.m sampling in the bottom of a boat and the water's terrible and you start to have those thoughts of like man I really need a new job <laughs> during the pandemic when we had not quite as much in-person time at the laboratory we started directing a lot of efforts to doing data analytics and I found that I was actually pretty good at coding I had a head for it and my partner who was already in the IT field told me, you need to go do this because your life will be so much better. <laughs> so I went and I did a boot camp as well. And I did some prowling around trying to get in some places. And my very good friend Tessa, who is a fellow Palantiri, gave me a nudge and said, hey, BT Dubs there is this thing at my job that you should check out. And now here I am. <laughs> That's awesome. I have so many questions about lakes and testing water and things like that, but we can, we can, we can do that in a podcast. future episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm curious what some of the most valuable things were that you learned in the Drupal Easy course. I think basically just, being introduced to what Drupal is and how it works because when you when you take somebody who's learned coding languages and then you're like Drupal includes the full stack you can choose what you want to specialize or you can you know do a little bit of everything and the concept of that is just kind of mind-boggling when you're first introduced to it because you know coding is coding you you code the back end or you code the front end or you 
hold the full stack, but you don't do the whole thing at one. And so Drupal's kind of cool that way. I remember back in the old days before we had tools like Drupal, uh, you did have to kind of manage the full stack. So there's a, kind of a joke that every web agency or consultancy of a certain age, you know, tried to develop their own CMS at some point. We did. And then we were very grateful when Drupal came along and we realized it was far better than anything we could do ourselves. How about you, Christine? Honestly, I'm kind of coming from a similar place as Sarah, because again, a lot of my programming experience and background was in data analytics, which is kind of a different ball game. I can make a dashboard like nobody and <laughs> can be hot stuff. But I had, uh, up until Tessa was giving me this nudge about this program, I had never even heard of Drupal, not one bit. And I had some experience dealing with websites because I don't know how to not be busy. And so I've worked on websites for some organizations I'm in in my personal time. And so I had familiarity with like Wix and WordPress and things like that. But Drupal was just, had never heard of it. Although it was kind of amazing because as soon as I was telling people about the program, I was kind of shocked by the number of people who were like, oh yeah, I've totally heard of it. It's very flexible. It's awesome. And so that was pretty cool. And the Drupal Easy course did such a great job of leveling the playing field for people from all backgrounds, right? Folks like myself who had never even heard of Drupal versus folks who had, you know, maybe interfaced with Drupal websites, but had not really worked on the back end or anything like that before. So I think some of the most valuable things I learned was just how to even spin up a Drupal site. It gave me a lot of the foundational skills that I needed to start getting into a career as a Drupal developer. So both of you are kind of making career shifts coming from other fields. I'm curious what other skills outside of what you've learned in the course you've found useful in your internship journey so far. Oh, man, we had a crash course in Twig, and that was eye-opening. It, it was great because I know that PHP is kind of the base language of Drupal. And so I've kind of been trying to make sure that I learn some more PHP every time I have a little bit of downtime, which, you know, isn't a lot, but that has been my primary focus of making sure I've got that PHP. And so when we were thrown into some twig, it was just like, tossing you out into the middle of the ocean and hoping you can swim back to shore. <laughs> but luckily, we um, had been training, I guess, uh, for long enough because we both did great at it. And it's funny because coming from a JavaScript base, PHP has been very similar. It's been easy for me to pick up because once you really are immersed in one language, it's often easier to pick up on all the other object-oriented programming language, but languages. But Twig was just something else. And once I got into the logic of it, I was fine. It was just getting those syntax things down and figuring out how to play God with the words in front of me, because that's what we do, right? Yeah, it's and it's funny, too, because Twig is a relatively recent addition to Drupal. And in fact, one of the reasons the Twig is in Drupal is because the previous templating system was seen by many as being too much like PHP. How about you, Christine? I think for me, 
actually taken a step back from the coding itself. One of the almost critical skills that I've found have been helpful in keeping things straight during this internship has actually been time management tools, maybe. I, I'm like trying to find the right word here. So you know how like you've got your computer set up and you can do all kinds of Yeah, I have found the organizational tools have been extremely valuable because this is a fully remote job, right? And it it's been interesting kind of trying to find the best ways to keep up with getting notifications from Slack, getting Google Calendar notifications, getting notifications when you've had changes to a GitHub repo, getting notifications when you've had a Jira ticket changed because the job uh, that I was previously in was, uh, I guess to put it gently, was a bit of a cluster when it came to organizing tasks and things like that. It was a lot of grabbing somebody in the hallway and saying, hey, did somebody take care of this? Like, what what's going on? And so integrating my Google Calendar into my Slack so that icons pop up next to my screen so that people can see when I'm in meetings and when I'm not, and finding ways to integrate Jira and GitHub into my Slack so that I can manage all these different tools that we use to do our job, I think have been critical to me being able to get anything done because otherwise I think it could be very challenging to keep tabs on all of these changes that are happening in all of these different places. For sure. And uh, it was actually one of the things I also want to ask you both about what experience you've had or not uh, working in a, a fully remote working environment. And if that's not something you've had experience with, like what was, was it like to manage that transition? For me, I the first big kid job that I had was, was running the entire outreach program for the Milwaukee Public Library. And, you know, I, I took over this this huge job that nobody nobody was there to hand off and say like here's the template they were more like figure it out good luck to you and they followed up with we don't have an office for you or anywhere for you to work but you're welcome to sit on the floor here with your computer anytime you'd like and so my introduction to the big kid work world was remote and I learned quickly how to balance being a young person without a dedicated space, carving out that space to be able to work and get things done and making sure that my brain was processing things in a very organized manner <laughs> to be able to meet everything, every expectation, every goal that I needed to meet and you know, having whatever tools at my disposal I needed to make that happen, whether it be you know, checking off lists, calendars, spreadsheets of whatever I needed to do to stay on top of everything. And so it's, you know, I transitioned from that role into the finance role where there was a big, huge tower in downtown Chicago where I worked. And on the first day, my boss was like, you know what, if it's ever snowing, just don't come in. If it's, you know, raining a little bit, just don't come in. Uh, you got a laptop, you're fine. And it was a lot of, well, just keep on continuing with polishing these remote work skills because that's what I did for most of my career. And I'm I'm pretty good at it by now. And actually really great that you had that flexibility at your previous position because I know a lot of places, uh, they insist that folks come in and 
have the FaceTime and everything. So Christine, you talked a little bit about just kind of getting used to the organizational aspect of remote work. Are there other uh, things that you've had to learn or as part of the transition? Oh yeah, for sure. So I think probably one of the more challenging things I've had to deal with being in this fully remote position is the fact that all of my work tasks feel very cerebral, which I know sounds like a weird word, but so for example, when I was working in my position as a research specialist, if I had days where my brain just had zero interest in trying to do any sort of complex work, there were tasks that I could do. I could go into the laboratory, I could do dishes, I could organize samples, I could run. So like all of this stuff where you can kind of throw yourself on autopilot and, you know, still be productive. I think, I don't want to say it's been a complete challenge because I, in a weird way, the pandemic gave me a leg up because so many of us were forced to start working from home at that point that it did give, give me the space to cultivate those skills a little bit. But I think that's the thing I still currently struggle with right now is when you have those days where your brain just does not want to work and you're firing on half cylinders is finding ways to be productive so that you're not just sitting and staring at your screen and running in circles and not getting anything done. And so I'm still working on that a little bit is figuring out what are kind of less brain intensive menial tasks that can be done when your brain just isn't all the way there. And I think the other thing too is learning how to put boundaries on your space and time, right? Because now my workplace is also my home. And, you know, that can be kind of detrimental to work-life balance to learn how to separate being on the clock versus off the clock when you don't even have that spatial delineation you can work with. Is I mean, even on this computer, when I'm doing stuff on my personal computer, I just swap out laptops on my dock and keep sitting in the same place. And so it can be challenging, I think, to learn how to delineate my space and time and in a healthy way. And I'm getting there. But that's definitely been one of the challenges I've been facing so far, this being my first fully remote position. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's something all of us face, right? And sometimes I think it's really important. You just got to like take a break from the screen, go and do the dishes or have a meal or whatever it is, but not finding yourself be constantly in one place for 18 hours <laughs> or whatever. I mean, and everyone deals with it differently. You know, I know folks who are like, no, I must have this very clear delineation between I'm at work and now I'm not at work. And then there are other folks who find other ways to sort of integrate it. You know, they might set aside some time to do some work tasks, even if it isn't part of work hours, right? Just because they're dealing with other things during work hours. So yeah, it's all about finding the way that works for you, I guess, right? So my next question, I'm curious for both of you, um, what has surprised you most about your time at Palantir so far? I immediately know my answer to that one. It's the culture. When you were talking about remote work and how a lot of employers just don't get it, don't buy into that, especially pre-pandemic, I had that. You know, when I moved down to Austin, I was still working finance, just different employer. And I had to tell that employer that like 
sorry, I'm going to work from home sometimes because that's just how I am more productive. And that is where I get the most focus, the most done. And then coming into Palantir, it was, you know, our first meeting with you was just like, I, I remember your exact words were, isn't it strange that companies don't treat people like adults when we're all grown ups doing jobs or, you know, adults? I don't know if I'm grown up yet, but we're all adults doing jobs. And that's how we should be treated. And people really genuinely respect each other here and strive to get along instead of just putting on facades. And that's so refreshing coming out of a uh, very Caucasian, very masculine, very businessy setting. We do spend so much time outside of our jobs, adulting, as it were. It, it still boggles my mind that just because you're at your job that you're being paid for, uh, suddenly you're less responsible. I don't get it. Uh, how about you, Christine? What surprised you most so far? Oh, definitely how social you all are with each other. Honestly, but it's honestly, it's a delight because again, coming from my previous job where sometimes it kind of felt like a workers in the mind situation because we would be so overstretched and overburdened with various projects and tasks because we were a grant fund into agencies. So there was kind of this really strong impetus to be like, constantly working all the time, working on papers, working on lab stuff. There, they, it, it felt like people really didn't spend a lot of work time just being social with each other, you know, like that water cooler talk. And, and that used to like really dishearten me because I'm very much a, I don't know if I want to say casual, like that doesn't sound quite gregarious. I like, I like talking to people, right? I like talking to people. I like hearing about What's going on with your life? Like I'm, I'm terrible at small talk. I'm always like, tell me how your family life is going and stuff like that. But, you know, people were so overworked and overburdened that it felt like trying to have any conversations that were not immediately surrounding the topic of work or the topic of how terrible work was did not happen very often. And I love how on the Slack, you know, we have channels for pets and video games and books. And knowing that it's, encouraged to talk about things that are not strictly work and that people are so engaged in it too is so nice and it goes so far to make me feel a lot more connected to my coworkers, which is something I was kind of worried about because I was like well we don't see each other we're never in the office how are we gonna like how does it feel like I'm not just talking to a chat DBT robot while I'm doing my job all the time. So that was a very wonderful surprise. It's something, again, as being a remote company, we have to work at it. We have to prioritize it because, yeah, it would be very easy to just kind of get lost, right? And, you know, my best friend is ChatGPT. It sounds so sad. We're actually going to be talking <laughs> that about uh, ChatGPT on our next episode of our podcast. So uh, that'll, that'll be a little little teaser there. Thank you. <laughs> so my final question is, what piece of advice would you give to future applicants or recipients of the Palantir Fellowship? light a fire and keep it going because I don't imagine people don't really want this if they're going through the class, going through the internship, 
and, and you know, not even being guaranteed a job. It's all about performance and how you display yourself and you learn a ton, but you only get out of anything what you put into it. So keep that fire going. Strive to be learning all the time because there are so much opportunity, but not if you don't seize it. I'm so inspired. I'm getting chills now. Thank you. What about you, Christine? <laughs> yeah, that was so inspiring. And I'm like sitting here with my deadpan advice of, uh, I really would have like two pieces of advice for somebody going through this fellowship is uh, one, for the class portion of this fellowship, if you can, save your life and get a Mac. Because as the one solo person who is developing on PC for that class, uh, there are about 20 more extra steps to do anything. And if something goes wrong, you're kind of on your own. Two, uh, use all of the Slack integrations forever. Because again, when we're on our computers, and especially for the portion of the job where you are actually at Palantir and you're managing projects, we have a lot of different tools we use to be successful. And the more you can channel those tools into a singular location so that it's easy for you to see when changes are made, the easier your life is going to be when you're managing things like pushes to your Git repo, comments on push uh, pull requests, changes to Jira task. It's just going to be it's going to be good. Get all them integrations. Make your life better. That is the only advice I've gotten. Not the only advice. Sorry. That is the most prevalent advice I've gotten from everyone at Palantir is, oh, hey, there's a there's a Slack integration for that if you haven't found it yet. Constantly. I was laughing, Christine, because you, you were saying earlier how you were so great at putting together dashboards, and it almost sounds like you've made Slack your personal dashboard. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. So Sarah and Christine, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. We'll be opening up applications for the 2024 Palantir Fellowship Cohort at the end of this year. In the meantime, the next uh, session of Drupal Career Online begins in August. Just go to DrupalEasy.com to learn more. And to learn more about what it's like to work at Palantir, check out our website at palantir.net. And of course, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another fresh episode delving into the rapidly evolving world of generative AI technologies. See you then. Mm -hmm.